everybody. It is Pastor Chad. Sorry, I'm a couple minutes late getting started today. Uh, couldn't get my computer to work correctly. So it's three minutes after one instead of one o'clock. But today is Sunday, February 6th, 2022. Welcome to The Way Radio Live, The Way R122 Ministry Live. And the title of the message today is, is, uh, is Sharing the Gospel Ever Fruitless. Is there always some good done when we're sharing the gospel, even if it's rejected, even if nobody wants to listen to it? So I think it's an important question. Again, another one of those questions that's especially important for the times in which we live. So let's pray and we will get right into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we're able to gather together at a distance uh, to uh, worship and to uh, hear from your word to study your word. And Lord, I thank you uh, so much for the opportunity and the uh, blessing and the honor to be able to preach your word. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless this message as it goes forth today, that you would uh, touch the hearts of each person that hears it, uh, that you through it, you would provide comfort and wisdom and knowledge. Uh, they might touch the hearts of those that have not been blessed uh, to be affected by the gospel and come to faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, just let the word go forth powerfully. And most of all, may you be uh, glorified through it in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So the message is, is sharing the gospel ever fruitless. And the reason I decided to preach this message, I actually preached the same topic um, four or five years ago. And I took those sermon notes and rewrote them is because uh, I'm at an age where uh, some of the elderly people in my family are starting to pass on. And recently, a family member uh, died uh, uh, about a month ago, a few weeks ago. And it was, I think, a common situation that we run into uh, as part of in the modern church. Um, you don't really know if someone is a, is a Christian or not if you're around them all the time. And with this particular individual... I know he had gone to church, but I know the church that he was going to has a reputation of being sort of a prosperity gospel church, uh, more of a nightclub atmosphere. And when I was asked to do some research on this church for another family member, um, I think they had 12 celebrate recovery meetings going on there. Uh, really just no emphasis on the gospel whatsoever. Uh, really sort of an extension of Rick Warren's Saddleback Church is what it was. And if you're familiar with what he's up to, you know what a train wreck that is. So I just was concerned. Has he ever heard the gospel? Is he truly a Christian or is he just... Uh, been fooled into thinking as a Christian. Those are things that really come to mind because of what's going on nowadays so much in the name of Christianity. So what I decided to do was instead of calling him and sharing the gospel, which is just not always effective, I just wrote a, a letter, a little bit of uh, what I'd been through that brought me to the point where I'm at and brought me out of a addiction and alcoholism and then uh, the cult of Alcoholics Anonymous and how the gospel saved me. And then I just led into the message of the gospel. And I thought, you know what? I, I think that'll have more power than him, than me just preaching to him over the phone. And unfortunately, uh, the letter was rejected by him and his wife. Um, they were very offended because they said they've been Christians for a long time. They, they really couldn't believe someone would send them such a letter, um, which is fine. 
well, it's not fine. I wish they would have responded to it in a positive way. But as far as my personal view of it, some people will receive something like that and some won't. But I just wanted to to do it in that way because I thought that it might be effective. And I still think it is a very effective way. But it just led me to really thinking about the question, is sharing the gospel ever fruitless? And is it ever a waste of time to read, share, or write the gospel, whether we're preaching it to ourselves or others or whatever? So is it ever a time, I'm going to repeat the questions again, is sharing the, the message of the gospel ever fruitless? Is it ever a waste of time to share, read, or write the gospel with wayward family members, family members that are obviously living in the world, living in sin, with those who treat us poorly? with people who look down on us because we are Christians? Should we still be sharing the gospel with them? Is it a waste of time or is it fruitless uh, to share the gospel with those that are entrenched in uh, modern day tolerance of sin? All you have to do is look around our society and see that sin is prevalent everywhere. And we're in those times where good is called evil and evil is called good. Should we be sharing the gospel with them? Should we be sharing it with those in the modern church who identify as Christians, but have never heard the true biblical message of the gospel, who believe because they recited a sinner's prayer that they have a ticket to heaven so they no longer have to worry about anything? Should we share? Uh, and then the other questions are, how do we approach the depravity of our society and those reveling in it? How much should we tolerate when the gospel message that we bring and we ourselves are rejected. Matthew 7, 6 says, uh, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. How do we know when this verse applies in the situations and circumstances that we're dealing with or that we're, in, that we're facing? Matthew 10, 34 through 39 says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. How did Jesus share the gospel? Was it always accepted? How was he treated when he shared the gospel? We see Jesus in the book of John healing the sick, working miracles, walking on water, feeding 5,000 miraculously. Then he shares the gospel message of him being the true bread of life that comes down from heaven, sent by God. And he also shares the doctrine of election and of God's sovereignty. Uh, in John 6, 65, Jesus says, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. He is proclaiming the sovereignty of God and the doctrine of election. Then in verse 66, we, th we see the response to what Jesus had taught. Verse 66 says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. The final response to Jesus's ministry we read of in Matthew 27, 39 through 44. 
It says, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. We must always remember Hebrews 12, 2, which says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured horrific pain and suffering, humiliation and the shame of our sin, we must look to the joy that's set before us as we move, move through this evil world that is enemy territory for the children of God. Christ warned us that we would face much of the same uh, attitude and, uh, and persecutions that he faced. How did the apostles share the gospel? Was it always accepted when the apostles shared the gospel? How were they treated? Let's look first of all at Peter in Acts chapter 2. Finding it in my Bible here. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41. And it says, Now when they heard this, Peter had just shared the gospel with them. He says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So Peter, at that occasion, saw a powerful working of the Holy Spirit through the message of the gospel that he preached. It was received in a very positive way, but we know that was not always the case with him. If we go to Acts 7, 54 through 60, we read, the read about the response that Stephen received when he preached the gospel. So Stephen preaches the gospel, and then in verses uh, chapter 7, 54 through 60, it says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Quite a different response when Stephen preached the gospel. He was martyred for it. 
And then the response to Paul preaching in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. If you have your Bibles, turn to that. One second here, sorry. 2 Corinthians 11. Twenty-four through twenty-eight, which says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robber, robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, Danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship. Through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all these other things, there is the daily anxiety. There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So Paul's talking about all the abuse and persecution that he had suffered in his career of ministry, preaching the gospel. But these men followed Christ to the death. And then if we move forward to more modern times, we read about George Mueller, an amazing man of God in the 1800s who housed thousands of orphans in England when they were usually just out on the street, homeless. He created the Bristol Orphanage Organization that the Lord blessed so richly. And George Mueller exhibited so much faith in this endeavor that he's one of the giants of, of the faith with what he was able to accomplish. He writes about in his biography, the beginning, his autobiography, the beginning of his ministry. And he says, it occurred to me that I should begin to labor among the Jews in London, whether I had the title of missionary or not. He was much like Charles Spurgeon in where he did not feel it was necessary and could actually uh, lead you astray to seek the approval of men before you enter ministry. In other words, getting a degree or the approval of a missionary society. Both him and Spurgeon felt an incredible, powerful calling of God to start preaching the gospel and doing the work and moving forward on the path that they, he had set them both on, that they just moved forward on those paths. And I believe that is such a powerful lesson for modern Christians where so many are striving for accolades and letters after their names and uh, educational uh, accomplishments before entering ministry. Do what the Lord leads you to do. Do not seek the approval of man. It's the approval of God that we need to be concerned about. So Mueller says, it occurred to me that I should begin to labor among the Jews in London, whether I had the title of missionary or not. I distributed tracts among the Jews and invited them to come and talk to me about the things of God. I preached to them in the places where they gathered and read the scriptures regularly with about 50 Jewish boys. I had the honor of being reproached and ill-treated for the name of Jesus. The Lord gave me grace, however, and I was never kept from the work by any danger or the prospect of suffering. He said he had the honor of being reproached and ill-treated for the name of Jesus. He knew he was on the right path and doing what he needed to do. And the wicked response that he received was a symbol, was a sign of that. In Luke 6, 22 through 23, 
It says, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the son of man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Test your perspective. Does this truth frighten you or joyfully inspire you? See, it's a win-win for us either way. If we share the gospel and people respond to it positively and the Holy Spirit regenerates them and they, and they, they come to believe and to follow Christ and to repent, praise the Lord. But if they spit on us and ridicule us, praise the Lord. Either way, we're doing what the Lord has called us to do. When I received that um, response from my family members who were offended that I would send them the message of the gospel because they assumed that they were already Christians. And like I said, I just didn't know because of uh, lifestyle, uh, the church that they attended. I ju you just didn't know. I was trying to do the right thing, but it wasn't a personal affront to me. I did what I felt I was called to do. So the response is not up to me. It's up to God. So how do these examples apply when we are hoping and praying that those closest and dearest to us are saved from condemnation and brought to salvation through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Luke 12, 51 through 53 says, Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against the father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. The gospel message will even divide families because some will reject it, still adhere to it, and follow it. First Peter 2, 7 through 8 says, So the honor is for you, you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. He says, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ shines into the darkness and exposes sin, and in doing so, offends the sinner. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, applied to all of us before we were blessed to repent and believe the gospel. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. The reason I share that verse and say this applied to all of us is we must all remember that we need to share the gospel in humility and with grace because we all are born in sin and we are all saved out of sin. So we're not any better or any worse than the person we're sharing the gospel with. We just know that we have been given this gift and we want to pass it on to them. So never speak down to someone as you preach the gospel. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This applies to believers and to those who will be called to believe through the sharing of the gospel. In John 17, 20, Christ says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. All the things of our lives, good and bad, are moving those 
of God's elect that he that he came to save to salvation, bringing us through the message of the gospel to the cross and into eternal glory with Christ, as he does with all believers. Be willing to sacrifice your own good, your own comfort, your own rights for the cause and for the joy of Jesus Christ, not from compulsion, but from love. That's such an important one for us to remember. If people reject the message that you bring, the message of the gospel, if you write them a letter explaining the gospel and they respond negatively, do not take it personally. Just pray for them. We've got to not try to stand up for our own rights, but to always have the concern of the gospel at the forefront of our minds. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Our all-surpassing joy in Jesus Christ will far outweigh our concern for our pride and our rights. We will seek to grasp Luke 15, 7, which says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. We are working for the bigger picture, the biggest picture. So how we are treated personally should not have as much bearing as the message of the gospel. We must have faith in God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit working through it, understanding that we are commanded to go forth and share the gospel and raise up disciples. In between sharing the gospel and raising up disciples is regeneration, the new birth, a new creation by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings lost dead souls to live and believe through the word, not us. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We share that message. And then Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return, but, but return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And right there is the answer to the question, is it ever fruitless to share the gospel? No, Isaiah 55, 10 says, it shall not return to me empty. God will do what he is meant to do with the word that we preach and we share. And then in Matthew 28, so we see the outline that I gave. We preach the gospel, Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. God does the work that the gospel is meant to do. And then in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, then we're involved again. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Always remember that we have been blessed with and bring the most tr precious treasure in the gospel. Never allow it to be tainted and demeaned by the world. Mark 6.11 says, And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Matthew 7.6 says, Do not give to, to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. In the times that the, word, that the Bible was written, dogs were considered unclean creatures under Jewish law. 
Deuteronomy 23.18 says, You shall not bring the fee of a prostitute or the wages of a dog into the house of the Lord your God in payment for any vow. For both of these are an abomination of the Lord your God. Dogs were fed what was considered to be profane and unclean. Nothing holy or consecrated for holy uses was given to them. Exodus 22.31 says, You shall be consecrated to me. Therefore, you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field, and you shall not throw it to the dogs. And if you've ever witnessed dogs in packs in the wild, they are vicious and frightening and vile. I've spent a lot of time in third world countries, and I remember spending some time on an island in the Gulf of Thailand, and there were packs of wild dogs on this island. And at night, you would hear them just battling, and you would hear the yelping and the screaming when they were tearing each other apart. It was horrifying. And that's what they're talking about here. So we are not to continue to share the gospel with those that continually hate it, revile it, spit on it and try to destroy it. We share it with everyone we can, and we disciple up those that respond to it. But if those that habitually and with a, with a firm mindset want to do everything they can to reject it and bring it into the gutter, we wipe our feet and walk away. But this is yet another command of scripture that is, no, is ignored by the contemporary church. Instead of sharing the message of the gospel, and wiping the dust from their feet and leaving when the gospel is rejected and ridiculed, the modern church instead changes the gospel, takes out the parts that are offensive to those who hate it in order to make it acceptable and comfortable to them. The business model of most of the modern church could be called how to attract the world. When the church biblically is the gathering of the saints, the world should have nothing to do with it. Believers should not continue to share the gospel with people who have rejected it with contempt and scorn. Matthew 10, 14 through 15 says, And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off, from your, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on that day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Matthew 15, 13 through 14 says, He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Acts 13, 50 through 52 says, But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They did not let themselves be affected by those who refuse to acknowledge the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in Acts 18, verses 5 through 6, when Silas and Timothy arrived in Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Folks, we are to understand, revere, and respect the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not drag it through the mud or allow it to be diluted by this world and the contemporary church in an effort to pitch it to the dogs and pigs who scornfully despise it. It is the word of God. It is precious and holy. There is no other truth. 
Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Beautiful Christian paradox in this message. Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Our battle may be engaging in prayer and living as Christ before those we seek to reach. When you have left and wiped the dust from your feet, then you pray for them. We don't leave them with a hateful feeling. We realize that they've rejected it, but we still lift them up in prayer and pray that that word that we left there will still do work even after we're gone. The gospel should be shared as taught and commanded in God's word. There is never any biblical justification for changing the gospel or the presentation of it in any way in order to conform more comfortably to the world. So again, the question, is sharing the gospel ever fruitless? Is it ever a waste of time? Absolutely not. The power of God's word, whether it be spoken or printed, will always produce fruit in some way and quite often in ways that we will never know this side of heaven. I feel personally that one of the most effective ways we can share the gospel is to offer it in written form to those we seek to reach. When we're speaking to someone, the listener is often judging distracted, uncomfortable, likely thinking of their response to what we are saying rather than listening to what we are saying. But when we provide them with our message in written form, they can read it at their leisure. They may read it more than once. They have time to think about it and refer back to it. Even if they get angry and toss what we have written aside, what we have written may end up being seen by eyes other than theirs and be the spark the Holy Spirit uses to save souls that we are not even aware of. I've never been a fan of gospel tracts, but I feel they are imper- because I feel that they're impersonal and generic. But that's only my personal opinion. They obviously can be effective, and they have proven to be so. Like again, I, again, I'm talking about my own opinion and preference. But how much more interest might someone have in a message that we have taken the time to sit down and write to see that we care enough to actually put some work into getting the gospel in front of their eyes? Luke 15, 10 says, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. If you lead one person to Christ through the gospel in your entire life, you've been part of one of the most powerful and amazing miracles in all of creation. Again, it seems the modern church has become so obsessed with numbers, with attracting the masses, that we have forgotten the importance of reaching just one taking the time and putting in the effort of reaching just one lost soul at a time. We live in a time when it can often be very easy to know what the right thing to do is. Simply do the opposite of what the multitude is doing. I'm going to repeat that. We live in a time when it can often be very easy to know what the right thing to do is. We simply do the opposite of what the multitude is doing. Just as we find truth in modern society by rejecting and not conforming to the mainstream narrative, we also find truth in the modern church by rejecting and not conforming to the mainstream narrative of the modern church. Folks, we've seen that in society so clearly over the last two years since the COVID hoax started. Like I've shared before, I've been studying our government and the evil that basically owns it and the corruption that takes place within it. 
And when this thing started in 2020, I knew that, that they were going to use it for very sinister and nefarious and evil means. And I've rejected the narrative since day one. And it's fascinating over those two years to see what at the beginning people people who would state these contrary narratives to the mainstream would be called conspiracy theorists. They try to cancel them and shut them down. And now the mainstream is being forced to admit that most of what we were saying is true, that the whole thing has been fabricated based on lies and done horrendous damage because the people have listened and not thought about what they were told. But that same mindset applies to the modern church. Like I've said, I firmly believe that 90 to 95% of the modern church is being led by unsaved pastors with unsaved congregations, completely void, ignorant, and clueless as to what the message of the gospel is. And that is a blessing for true believers because it's easier for it makes it easier for us to see the true way because you simply reject what the masses of the modern church are doing and just follow what your Bible tells you to do. Folks, be the rarest thing in these times in which we live. Be a true individual, a simple individual believer with a Bible in your hands, led by the word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be bold, courageous, and confident because you offer the most wonderful gift in the history of creation. Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just uh, bless each person that hears this message who is a believer with a greater wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of the message of the gospel, that anything that we don't understand, you would open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to grasp, and that we would be blessed with an ability to share the gospel truthfully and powerfully and effectively with those that we come in contact with. And Lord, I just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys, that is today's message. I appreciate you being here. I did want to mention, just got the stats on the podcast this morning, and the Way Radio podcast is almost to 16,000 downloads. If you remember, I think it was about a month and a half ago, maybe two months, uh, we'd reached 14,000, and now we're almost to 16,000. And I'm really, that's really cool because I'll be honest with you guys, I spend my time writing the sermons, recording them, and then putting them out to you guys on Sundays and then to the videos on, on, rumble and then to the podcast i don't spend hardly any time promoting the podcast at all i honestly don't even know what platforms it's on but it's being downloaded and i think i'm going to contact a couple of friends of mine that are more knowledgeable of podcasts and see if they can help me make sure it's on the good platforms um but to have sixteen thousand downloads that's just a thing of god uh and i know it's because this ministry is focused on the message of the gospel. It's very simple. You know, one thing I wanted to say too, is when I was talking about just reaching that one soul for Christ, that's one reason I love Pastor Patrick. He is so contrary to so much of what's going on in Africa. The, the prosperity gospel, the word of faith movement, the whole charismatic thing has just been like a plague going across Africa. And so many of these poor people have been drawn into this idea that they can just make these huge churches, they'll make a ton of money, whatever. Patrick sends me photos every week or so of individuals that he has witnessed to on the street and they've come to faith in Christ. 
He sent me three over the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to be sending out a newsletter soon. I've neglected. I need to start getting better at sending out updates and newsletters. But and if you want to subscribe to that, just uh, you can go to the way r122.org. There's a subscribe form on there. But that's what I love about him is he's always just worked working on those individuals that the Lord leads him to. And that's why he's good at what he does in his job as a pastor. Um, please visit elephantwalk.net. We've got some really exciting new products that I should be putting on our online stores. Um, within the next week. You can visit our website at elephantwalk.net. You can also find our Etsy shop by going to Etsy and just searching for Elephant Walk Inc. Um, all run together, no spaces between the words Elephant Walk Inc. Our Etsy shop is our main focus of the business right now. Please visit those. And uh, you can find us again on the web at the way the letter r122.org. You can subscribe to the podcast by going to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just cite, search for the way radio in the search field. Please tell others about the podcast, if you could, or about the Rumble page or about the Sunday broadcast. Um, I want to get the gospel message out more as this world spins more out of control. So let's just, if we could just, I, get, I need more help basically to do that is what I'm saying. Uh, if you could please consider supporting the ministry, you can donate at the way, the letter r122.org. Just go to the donate page. And that is it for today. We will be back here next week, same time, same place. Thanks for being here. God bless you guys. Bye-bye.